Can we just stay on our feet and just give Jesus some praise? Amen. You guys can be seated. My name's Chris. I'm no longer a special guest. I'm, I'm officially on staff for one year with Mercy Culture. And it's been, it's been wonderful. I was in Dallas uh, last Sunday. It was wonderful to be in Dallas. And we're launching a belong there and then get to be here with you guys this morning. And then I get to come back every Wednesday this entire year. And uh, that's where the real work is. Uh, we're going to go out and we're going to see Waco have an encounter with Jesus. And we're going to see not this tent, but that building. Right? We passed that inspection. Can we just, let's just take a moment and celebrate God that the inspection was passed. I mean, that's a big deal. I think, all right, all right, I think if Pastor Les was here, he would have ran through the tent wall. Isn't that exciting? I, I want to honor a few people that are in the room today. My friend, Mike, can you just stand up and wave at everybody? This guy is incredible. He's the director of our Jesus Year, and what the, you're going to get to know our Jesus Year students. We're like, what do we call these guys? They're Jesus people. And they've committed a year of their life to do prayer, outreach, and discipleship. And so there's going to be a group that on Wednesdays goes to Dallas and takes that Goliath head on. And then there's going to be a group that comes to Waco and believes God for a move of God every Wednesday. So if you're a Jesus person, will you just stand up and just say hi to the church? Come on. It's just amazing. They, um, just last week, and this isn't all of them last week, they saw 57 people born again in Fort Worth. It's amazing. The week before that, they saw 68 people born again. It was amazing. On Thursday in, in Fort Worth, there was over 95 people at our Belong gathering. There was 11 baptisms. 25 people were born again in one day. Is that, is that awesome? Like it almost doesn't sound possible, but then when you live it and you see it and you experience it, it's just absolutely amazing. I also want to honor just a couple of my, of my friends. I want to start with Johnny Box. He's one of our staff members at 33rd. He's a legend. If you get to know Johnny, Johnny, just stand up and wave. Nobody has a name like Johnny. It's Johnny Lee Box. The third. I mean, he's either destined to be a movie star or an evangelist. One of the two. Evangelist, I'm just joking. And then also, I just want to honor, can you guys all just honor Boo Boo? Can you just stand to your, I mean, Blake. Blake, stand up real quick. Just wave. <laughs> His uh, dad wrote me this morning and said, will you please introduce him as Boo Boo? And I did, just for Greg. So that was for Greg. I feel at home in the tent. Is that okay? Yeah. I, don't want you to, I don't want you to be bored today. I want you to encounter God's presence, and I want to have fun. Can we have fun? Yeah. All right, so I was born again at age 18. I grew up in a, in a good church that, that had the fear of the Lord, but it was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. 
And I believe in the Holy Bible. Like I read the Bible every day. It's the word of God. But they did not have an expression of the Holy Spirit. And I was brought up, taught that if you played drums in church, you were summoning demonic spirits. And if you spoke in tongues, that was demonic. So I didn't have much of a, you know, relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if you would have asked me at 17, 18, if I was saved, I'd be like, I believe in Jesus. But, you know, you can believe in Jesus and be on the wrong road. And that would have been me. And uh, I was 18 years old. I, I was in this relationship that, that fell apart. And I heard a few days later that she had got back together with her ex-boyfriend. And I got very angry and I was going to go hurt this guy. And my father uh, said, hey, why don't you um, go inside and try to read the Bible? I remember pacing out in front of my parents' house on the dairy farm, grew up on a dairy farm in the middle of a little tiny town in, in Washington State. And I didn't have a relationship with the Bible, number one, because I couldn't read. And the church that we went to read the King James Version of the Bible, which is Old English, which is very difficult for somebody that can't read. So I never read the Bible. So I went inside, got a Bible, opened it up, got frustrated, closed the Bible. And when I closed the Bible, I stood up to leave to go hurt this guy. And my hand physically got stuck to the Bible. My mother would tell you that my eyes rolled back in my head and another voice came out of my mouth. And it wasn't my voice. It was a demonic spirit that began to speak through me. They didn't know what to do. So they called the pastor of the crazy church in town, the one where people speak in tongues the one where people play drums, the one where people raise their hands, right? Like they called the church in town that everybody talks bad about until you need a demon cast out of your son. I'm basically describing Mercy Culture Wago, right? That's what I'm describing. So they called Mercy Culture in Woodland. It was just called the Promised Church. Late at night, uh, the pastor picked up the phone and he came to my house and he prayed for me, and I was supernaturally delivered and born again. It was amazing. Three months went by, and I found myself at my first, so you got to think, I grew up Red Pews, right, hymn books, KJV Bibles, right? I grew up in church with my dad flicking me in the head to keep me awake. Anybody else? I've already done, I walked through that inner healing. We're in a good place, my dad and I. But that's just my relationship, right? So, uh, with church. So I, I get invited to this youth event in Seattle, Washington. And uh, there's this guy named Judah Smith that would hold this, this massive youth, uh, really revival. And uh, we went and there was this guy there named T.D. Jakes, right? So this is my first ever experience in church, like church, like you guys know it. And, and we, we didn't make it in time to be in the main uh, sanctuary, so we were in the overflow room. It was about this big, and I was watching T.D. Jakes on the screen, and he stopped, and he said, the Holy Spirit's here. When he said that, nobody touched me, nobody pushed me over, which, by the way, if you try to push me over, I might push you back. <laughs> I'm a dairy farmer. I'm not going to fake it until I make it. I'm not going to perform. I think all that's weird. Either it's God or it's not. He came on me. My wife, who at that point was my friend, she saw me fall out under the power of God. I hit the ground. I began to pray in the Holy Spirit, like loudly um, scream, like pray in, in the Holy Spirit. And I heard the voice of God say, you're going to travel the world, preach the gospel, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. He spoke that to me. I never read the Bible before. I didn't know that that's what we're called to do as Christians. 
So the first couple of years of my life reading the Bible was, oh, wow, what God spoke to me is in the Bible, and it's what we're called to. So I came back home. I always wanted to be a dairy farmer. My dad said there's no money in it. Then I wanted to be a fireman. So when that encounter happened, I was in the fire department. But I quickly realized I can't do that and fulfill the call of God that's on my life. So I went to Bible college. And right around that time, a prophet came and said, in five years, a man will come to your church, sit down next to you, and ask you to travel the world with him. So for five years, right, I'm, in, I'm at Bible college. I'm working every job from feed stores to pressure washing to everything with a good attitude. And if you would have asked me, what are you going to do with your life? I'm going to travel the world, preach the gospel, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. One time, the Bible college dean had like a check-in appointment with me. He said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to travel the world, preach the gospel, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. He's like, hey, calm down a little bit. I said, this isn't my idea. I don't want to do this. This is what God told me I was going to do. And I'm pretty convinced this is what God told you that you're going to do. Just imagine me at 18. It was a hot mess. 18, freshly baptized in the Holy Spirit. Demons cast, you can just imagine. Like, yeah. People come up to me and they say, man, you're a way better preacher than you used to be. And I don't know whether to take it as a compliment. I'm still walking through it. So as I, as I prayed into this, um, you know, there's, there's current things that the Lord has been sharing with me, but I felt to go back to some foundational things because I, I want to make sure as we begin to launch Belong, which is going to happen on Wednesday nights, it's going to be a net that we create in order to invite people into it to be saved, healed, delivered, baptized. Like my friend here, Adrian, this guy, met him on Wednesday. He got beautifully born again. Didn't know this week, right? Yeah, this Wednesday. He comes to belong on Thursday. He's like, I'm going to get baptized. Comes out the water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Got his prayer language. Come on. Serving at the food bank yesterday. Praying for people yesterday in the tent on Sunday, turns around. My boy says to me, man, I can feel it. Isn't that just amazing? Can you just stand up and say hi to your family real quick? Like, yeah, come on. Guys, it's harvest time. He's a part of our family. Met him on Wednesday. He's already eaten two meals in my home. Come on, this whole city is ready. We've got to position ourselves. So I heard the Lord uh, just speak to me and say, go back and, and preach a foundational message. So I'm going to preach a message today entitled Evangelism is Easy. And if you've, I, I preached this at Mercy Culture Fort Worth over a year ago now. And, and I love that they sang easy, the song easy this morning. Because evangelism is easy in the presence of God. And we're going to talk through six barriers that there are to evangelism uh, this morning. And we're just going to do some foundational heart work, all right, when it comes to witness and witnessing. But I want you to understand that we're not just going to talk about the heart of evangelism and discipleship, um, but we actually want to equip you practically with how to share your faith. And that's what Wednesdays are going to be. So we're not just going to say, hey, you should do this, and then 
be like, okay, how do I do it? No, we're going to help you practically with those things on Wednesday nights to teach you how just simple it is. But today's going to be more of a heart conversation. Sound good? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you that you're here and you're in this tent. Father, I ask today that you would renew our minds when it comes to being a witness. I ask today, Lord, that your presence would come in a profound and powerful way. And Lord, that you would show us how simple and easy it is to be a witness in your presence. If you're in agreement with that, will you say amen? Amen. So I get to take a lot of people out on outreach for the first time. And uh, we tell people all the time, come, and if you come, come scared. Like, because what we understand is, is when it comes to evangelism and discipleship, I could teach you about it for 40 weeks, but you still won't do it. But if I can take you and show you just how easy it is, all of a sudden, you're going to be like, wow, that's simple. Like, that's just so simple. I, it, over and over and over again, I, I went to, um, where was I at? I was in Wyoming, and uh, there was a lady there that was 87 years old. She had never shared her faith, but she had always wanted to share her faith. But there were certain barriers that were, that were in the way. And so I got paired up to go on outreach with this beautiful 87-year-old grandmother, and she was scared, right? Some people are scared to go with me to Walmart. I understand. <laughs> Anything might happen, right? But we, 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 we go out, and I'm like, just relax, right? We can't make anything happen. God's going to make it happen. And, and we walk into this pizza place, and uh, we, we begin to minister, and she looks at me, and she goes, this is so easy, I can do this. I said, yeah, it is. It's really easy in his presence. So our hope would be, even if you can't sign up to be a part of the Belong team, which we're hoping that we could have a team of 20 people because we could disturb this city if we had 20 people. We could, we could have a crazy New Believer revival if we just had 20 people sign up. Not all of you guys have Wednesdays available. You're serving in different capacities. But we would love to invite you to come one Wednesday a month or one Wednesday every other month to see just how easy it is in the presence of God. Uh, we, we were at a church in Florida, and we equipped all of the staff to go on outreach. Johnny was there with me, and I got paired up to go out with the worship leader and the production uh, leader there. And as we went out, um, it, it was great, but they were wrestling with, with certain aspects of the outreach, and we equipped them with this tool called the Gospel Guide. And, and we'll talk about that, not today, but later. And uh, so they had a good experience, and they were with me, and, and, and they got equipped. And uh, fast forward a couple months later, uh, the worship leader was in another uh, state. He was getting ready to fly home, and he was just tired. Have you guys ever been tired? And he's like, man, I hope that nobody talks to me. You've never been that way. But in this moment, he was that way. He said, man, I hope nobody talks to me. And he gets in the uh, Uber to head to the airport, and... The Uber driver had their caffeine and wanted to talk. And he puts his guitar in, and the Uber driver turns around and says, oh, you play music, I play music, and picks up his drumsticks. And so my friend says, well, um, yeah, I do. And he's like, hey, do you have any music? And he's like, hey, why don't you put on this song on Spotify? It's a worship song. So they put this worship song on on Spotify, and as he's getting the song, 
You know, he's like, it's a Christian song. And the man says, well, I, I'm, a, I'm a Muslim faith. And they're having this conversation. And the guy hits play. And the moment the worship song comes on, the car fills with the presence of God. And, and the guy begins to have an encounter with God's presence. And my friend goes, oh, shoot. I've got to lead this guy to the Lord. But I don't know if I know how. Listen, did you guys find the Lord? I mean, ultimately, he found you, but did you, but did you find him like you were able to connect with him? If you found him, you can help somebody else find him. It's not complicated. It's called daily personal encounters. It's simple, right? It's just connecting people to the presence of God. He doesn't know what to do, and he remembers, oh, Chris equipped me with this thing called the gospel guy. So the presence of God is there. He's in the back seat. He's like, I'm just going to read it. So he looks it up on the website, and he's like, hey, um, do you believe that God created you to be in a relationship with him? And the guy's like, yes. <laughs> then he's like, really? Do you believe that sin messed that relationship up? Yes, I do. Greg's like, what? <laughs> and then he says, well, Jesus is the answer to the sin problem. He came from heaven to earth. He made a way for you to come into the presence of God through dying on a cross. Would you like to receive salvation? Yes. This guy is born again. As he's getting out of the vehicle, he begins to disciple the guy and say, you're going to have to tell your parents that now you're serving Jesus. Do you know what that means? And he begins to instantly disciple him as a new believer in Christ. Everybody say it with me. Evangelism, Evangelism. is easy, easy in the presence of God. So the original call, it's never changed. We've just changed it. I'm going to say it one more time. The original call has never changed. We've just changed it. What do I mean? Now, I want you to know that I love Sunday morning church. One of the greatest honors that I have is when a pastor gives me the pulpit on a Sunday morning. I love everything about church. I love every aspect of it from the coffee, can I hear an amen, to the worship, to the door greeting, to the excellence. I absolutely love. You cut me open, I'm a local church guy through and through, but your identity is not the coffee person on Sunday morning. Your identity is not my ministry is that I do kids ministry on Sunday morning. No, you're a Christian. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you have to be nice after church too. Because historically, the meanest people to go to restaurants are believers. And they leave the worst tips. Ask my wife, any servers in the room? You understand what I'm talking about? They leave a Jesus loves you with a smiley face and a dollar. Everybody just got convicted. Everybody's going to fast food. They're not going to go to a sit-down restaurant after church. But we've changed the original call to a Sunday morning experience. And that was never God's intention. Yes, we have responsibilities and we need you to serve on Sunday morning. But the original call wasn't that you were a door greeter in the house of God. It was that you were a witness 24-7. 
By the way, we don't do witnessing, we are witnesses. Meaning you're witnessing to the world and your workplace and the grocery store and the gas station. I just don't know what you're witnessing. I don't know what they're seeing. Are they seeing the fruit of the Holy Spirit or are they seeing the fruit of your flesh? What are they encountering? So I want to remove the pressure for a moment you don't show up to belong night and do outreach and do witnessing. The original call was you are a witness and everywhere you go, you expand the kingdom of God by walking in the spirit, amen? So the call in Matthew 4, verse 18, it says this, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called, Pe who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. Follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed. So we are following him today. And he is doing the same thing he was doing then. Why did Jesus come in Luke 19 verse 10? It says that he came to seek and to save the lost. Isn't that just exciting? So if we're following Jesus and we're a disciple of Jesus, then some aspect of our life should be seeking and saving. Now, I don't need you to join the Jesus people and give a year of your life to, I want to make sure we don't set a bar that's way up here. I want to bring the bar way down here. What I'm, what I'm asking you to do is to be aware of the Holy Spirit everywhere you go. And when the Holy Spirit speaks, you obey. So when you're at the grocery store and he speaks, talk to that person. You, don't, you haven't already told him no. Many of us in the room, when it comes to outreach, we've already given God our no. So we can't speak to you either because you're unaware or you're scared. All right, here we go. Hi, my name's Chris. I love you very much, but let's get real today. You're either unaware or one of the major barriers is fear, but we're gonna bust through that barrier today. It's gonna be beautiful. So you have the call, right? Then you have the commission. In Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20, I'm just gonna jump down to where it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So outreach is actually not my goal. Even though my title is outreach director, I actually wrestle with the word outreach because my goal is not outreach, my goal is discipleship. So when we go out on Wednesdays, I'm going to say to you, you going out and being obedient to go and to share with people, that is your success. But your goal is to make disciples. And by the way, it's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. But what's happened is, is being a witness, come on, or being, doing outreach has become optional. It's become optional. It's become something that we add on or we, or we, or we add to. Yeah, we've, we, we have the outreach guy. We've got the outreach department. It's something we clip on. It's not something that everybody 
in the body embraces because if we begin to live on mission every day, everywhere we go, and we have a mindset to make disciples, we will not be able to contain what God is about to do in Waco. It's gonna be amazing. It takes a subtle shift and, and, and busting through some barriers that we're gonna talk about today. So you have the commission, right? And we understand that that's the second to last thing Jesus said. He said, go and make disciples. The last thing he said was wait for the Holy Spirit. Again, you can't go and make disciples. It'll be hard. But if you wait for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, going and making disciples becomes easy in the presence of God. And many people in this room are going to be healed and going to be restored when it comes to outreach because you've done it wrong in times past. What, is, what it was was you came in and you learned a technique or a tool and you went out not under the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and you had a bad experience and you thought that's not for me. But I'm telling you, when God gets on you, you just go out there and smile at somebody and say, can I pray for you? And the power of God comes. We were standing in Hobby Lobby. I know I was in Hobby Lobby. Pray for me. It was myself and Brandon and about 500 ladies in Hobby Lobby. I didn't see one other man in Hobby Lobby, but the presence of God was there. So we're in Hobby Lobby, we're on an outreach, and I walk up to this uh, lady, I say, hey, can I pray for you? Her name was Diana. She said, yes. I just said, can, can I read a scripture to you? She goes, yeah. I just begin to read John 3, 1. And as I read it to her, I get to verse like two. She says, there's so much power coming off of you. And she loses composure. She starts to cry. I'm thinking, there's no power coming off of me. That's the, like, that's the Holy Spirit. So we have to stop her and say, it's, it's going to be okay. We like talked her back. We finished the scripture. She was beautifully born again. It had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with the Holy Spirit. And so when we do it with the Holy Spirit, it's easy. So I want you to see there's the call, there's the commission, then there's the cost, Right? The cost. There is a cost, but when you count the cost, the benefits are way better. Right? So there's a cost in America. It's different from other places in the world today. Right? The cost that you face in Waco is somebody may look at you funny. You may, you, it may hurt your reputation. I mean, somebody might get upset at you and, and swear. Somebody might slam a door in your face. That's about as bad as we're getting in Waco. So the cost, and I don't want to minimize the cost, or the cost is you sit at your dinner table, right, around a holiday, and you take a stand for Jesus. All right, there's a cost there. There's a cost there. I don't want to minimize the fact that you're dealing with real things, but I want to bring some, I want to sober the room a little bit. Right? I, I traveled to Iraq, and when I'm there, uh, we were uh, equipping a room, may, maybe a little less than this size, of Muslim background believers. And we're going to take them out on outreach. Now, the cost is a bit higher there, right? And there was a, a man there named Leo, and Leo, uh, his, his wife 
had two encounters with Jesus where Jesus appeared to her in a vision and said, I am the son of God, obey me and tell others about me. So she becomes a Christian, that's cool, begins to tell her husband, her husband begins to pursue God, finds himself at a church meeting, my friend David's laying hands on him, and he hears the audible voice of God say, I am the son of God, obey me and tell others about me. Two years go by and he hasn't told anybody, I come into town. They partner me and him. We go out, just the fact that he's interpreting for me is a miracle, right? And then I'm like, man, I'm getting nowhere with these guys. This guy, his wife literally had a vision of, of Jesus and he heard the audible voice of God. Like, I'm like, I'm gonna have my friends share. And the conversation goes from interpretation to confrontation. He turns and he says to me, are you trying to get me killed? I said, no, I'm trying to get you to obey God. Did God say to do it? Yeah, he said to do it. I'm just trying to get you to obey God. He turned around and by the grace of God, he began to share and we couldn't make him be quiet. Once he broke through that fear barrier. Now, some of you guys are like, well, that's great. I mean, he heard the audible voice of God. I'm gonna go back and read Matthew 28 audibly to you so you can hear the audible voice of God. So then I can say to you, I'm just trying to get you to obey the words of Jesus. Come on. Jokingly, we, we, we wanted to take the forgiveness value and change it to evangelism. Evangelism, you're never more like Jesus than when you evangelize. Just run it all the way out, it's really, really great. If you don't evangelize, you'll never spiritually grow. I was like, oh yeah, there's some truth to that. Hasn't passed the approval with the senior team or the eldership team, so pray, I'm just joking. Matthew 16, verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. It's interesting, it doesn't say deny the devil, pick up your cross and follow. It says deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, we can teach beautiful Pat, like beautiful teachings and Bible studies on this, but I can tell you if you live it, go to Walmart with me and talk to somebody. It's really easy to be super confident in the house of God. It's a whole nother thing when you step outside and you put to practice the very thing you preach. Well, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Oh, we'll find out real quick. For it's the power of God unto salvation. Easy to do with a microphone in your hand. Easy to do in a prayer meeting. Let's try it at Walmart. We'll just see how unashamed of that gospel you really are. You guys doing all right? Just want to give you a little, like a little thing here real quick. Pastor's jobs are to like comfort the afflicted. The evangelist's job is to afflict the comfortable. So... I'm actually here to afflict you. Just, I'm just here to agitate you enough. You're like, I like him, but I don't like him. I know he's right, but I don't want him to be right. Like there's this wrestling that's going on, which by the way, by the end of this, you're offended at me. You can come up here, I'll hug you, and we'll just squeeze the offense right out of you. And then we'll go do what Jesus told us to do. Sound good? Are you guys having fun? Okay, I just want to, I'm not a professional speaker. 
I'm just a dairy farmer that has a loud mouth. And God says, if I put him in the right place at the right time, he won't be quiet and he'll actually say what I want him to say. And then it's fun because it's refreshing, isn't it? That's why we love mercy culture. Because it's real. All right, one more scripture. Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Have you ever thought about that? A sacrifice that's living? Ouch. That's, that's quite the language there. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Can I propose to you that worship is doing what you don't want to do in obedience to God? Can I propose to you for a moment that an act of worship is stepping out and sharing your faith with somebody and stepping through barriers that stop you, but you obey God and worship is laying your life down as a living sacrifice? Can I propose to you, as amazing as this corporate encounter is, this is not all worship is. Worship is every step of obedience you do to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. When I walk with our Jesus Year students and we're going out door to door, I say, guys, every step is a step of worship. We're just worshiping the Lord today. Right? I also want to propose to you that evangelism is loving God back. Well, what do I mean by that? One day I took my daughter on a date and we were sitting there and she said, Daddy, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And I, I really thought that she was thinking about my wallet because I was going to buy her a toy. And I said, no, honey, well, what are you thinking? She goes, I'm thinking we tell everybody in this place about Jesus. And I thought, why, why is she thinking that way? But her whole life, all she's ever seen is me share my faith. There's not been one time in public, I mean this, Honestly, there's not been one time in public that my daughter has not seen me stop for the one. Right? She's 11 years old. It's, it's all she's ever seen. And what I realized at that time, she was uh, five or six years old. She was sitting there going, my daddy is loving me. Okay, how can I express love back to my dad? What is my dad like? What does my dad do? Well, my daddy loves Jesus and loves telling people about Jesus so I can love my dad by telling people about Jesus. Could evangelism be that simple? Has God been good to you? Has God loved you? Has God freed you? Has God delivered you? Has God healed you? Has God sustained you? Could you just love God back for a minute? Isn't that just powerful? It's simple. It's that simple, but again, we've made it optional. It's not optional. Because we don't do witnessing, we are a witness. Okay, let's jump into this. The six lies that we believe about evangelism. Lie number one, evangelism is not for me. There it is. Evangelism is not for me. This is one of the biggest lies that we face in the church today. And I'm here to tell you that you're right. It's not for you. That's why you don't like to do it. Did you catch it? I'm going to say it again. Evangelism isn't for me. You're right. It's not for you. That's why you don't do it. 
benefited you, you do it all the time. It's not for you, it's for Waco. It's for the thousands of people in this city that need to have an encounter with Jesus. It's an act of worship. It's an act of loving God. It's an act of obedience to God. So that lie of, well, evangelism isn't for me. I just don't, I just don't do the evangelism thing. I'm sorry, you bought a lie from the pit of hell that's keeping Waco unsaved. But when the church is awakened to realize that they are a witness, and again, what does this look like for a mama, right, that's at Costco? with four babies. Like, let's make this super practical, right? Like my wife, I'm, I'm gone on a trip. She's taken four kids to Costco in Fort Worth, Texas, which is as crazy as anywhere else. I mean, it's just packed full of people, right? She gets out of the car and this lady makes a comment to her and she just says, hey, um, She's, she's like, hey, you almost hit me, the lady joked. And, she, and then Chelsea's like, oh, this is an opportunity. So she says to the lady, hey, I, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. Well, they're walking together towards the entrance. And the lady goes, it's crazy that you would say that to me. I was just at Mardell, the Christian bookstore, and I was looking up uh, 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 books on understanding the Old Testament. Like, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Well, my wife just finished a book on the Old Testament. She's like, well, let me tell you a book, but even better, let me tell you about uh, this whole story in the Old Testament about Abraham and about Israel. And she begins to pour out in about a five-minute walk with the kids. She gets to the front. Chelsea says, can I pray for you? The lady lets her pray for him. She gives her a, the information on the church. And then she calls me, honey, you'd be so proud of me. Like God set up this divine encounter it was perfect and I was aware of it. And then what did she do? She survived in Costco until she got home. <laughs> Just trying to keep the kids on the cart, right? But God set up a divine appointment and because Chelsea has given God her yes, she can have one of those a day or two of those a week. So for me, my goal is today that you're just open to say yes to God when he speaks and you're aware that evangelism is for you and that it's actually not something that's optional. Listen to this scripture in Romans 14, verse seven. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Right, there's been seasons of my life when people have come to me and said, Chris, I don't have time to go into these, but they've come to me and they said, Chris, you're a little bit radical. Like you, you, you're, you're over the top, you're gonna burn out. Like you're not gonna make it, you need to slow down. Thank God I didn't buy that lie. Because ultimately what they were saying was they didn't wanna live that surrendered lifestyle. My life was convicting them to a place where they either had to change me or change themselves. So in one of these seasons where, where a, a person was challenging me, I went to the, the Lord and I said, Lord, am I out of balance? Like, am I too crazy about this whole telling people about you thing? And he said to me, son, what would it look like if the Holy Spirit had complete control of a person's life? Think about that for a minute. What would it look like tomorrow if the Holy Spirit had complete control of your day? 
Oh, you'd be telling a lot of people about Jesus. You'd be at work, Jesus. You'd be at the gas pump, Jesus. You'd be, right, the Holy Spirit's like, I have a vessel to pour my life out through. And all the Holy Spirit does is point people to Jesus. And he freed me to realize that I'm normal. This is normal. I got one life to live. I'm going to live it for him. Everybody's busy doing a lot of stuff. I figured a couple years back, I'm going to be busy doing his stuff. And you know what? You can have a healthy family. You can have a healthy marriage. You can have a healthy Sabbath. Oh, yeah, there's health in this. I mean, Jesus was working miracles on the Sabbath because it wasn't work. The Father was doing it through the power of the Holy Spirit. So none of it is through our own energy. It's all through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lie number two, I don't evangelize because it's not my personality. Some of you may want to duck. Here we come. Here we go. Buckle your seatbelts or unbuckle them and run. I don't know what you want to do here, but we're going to remove some lies. You're right, it's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives in you. Well, it's no, it's, that's not my personality. That's not my bin. That's not who I, well, listen, I didn't know it was you anymore. Let's look at the scripture. Come on, Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What's that personality test that people take? The, the Enneadum, I mean Enneagram. Yeah, it's crazy. Every time I take that, it comes back with the same result, in Christ Jesus. Yeah, let it sink in for a minute. Just be happy I'm not talking about essential oils. Yeah, a lady just died in the back. It was awesome. I'm not saying it's bad, but if we're not careful... We let the plain scripture that says it's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives in you. You're now motivated by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not my personality. Your life isn't your own. Change. Be transformed. Allow God, just like he did with all of the apostles that ran, he took cowards and they turned into lions. Why? Through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But we buy a lie that says, that's not my personality. Deny that. Pick up your cross and follow. But listen, I don't want you to be loud. I don't want you to be me. I want you to be you. What does that mean? You love people the way you love them, but it should look like something. Go to the library. Sit down. Whisper to the person next to you, Jesus loves you. I, we, we, what I love about evangelism is we're all different and we all reach different people. So I love how God made you. I love your, 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 your personality and how God knits you together. But do not let that be a hindrance to be a witness. Because ultimately Christ in you and moving through you is more powerful than your personality. Can I hear an amen? amen. Are right, you guys doing good? Yeah. I'm having fun. Are you having fun? Yeah. Okay. We got a couple claps. We got, okay, the guy that was crossing his arms clapped. We're good. Okay, we're good. We're moving forward. Number three, I'm not a street 
evangelist. Warning, there's a very corny dad joke coming. I'm not a street evangelist. Well, I wouldn't want you to share the gospel in the street. You might get hit by a car. That's stupid. I know, very, very bad joke, but I'm trying to let this just sink in for a moment. I don't want you to be a street evangelist. I want you to be a basketball evangelist. I want you to be a gym evangelist. I want you to be a coffee shop evangelist. I want you to be a Winco evangelist. I want you to be a Costco evangelist. I want you just to be a Christian. Full of the Holy Spirit. What does this look like practically, mamas? I want to talk to you for a moment. My wife goes to Target because somebody has to go to Target because it's Nineveh and they need Jesus. But I understand we shouldn't support it. Pray for me and my wife. But every time we go, we tell somebody about Jesus. Okay, so we're redeeming it. I won somebody to the Lord there a couple weeks ago. Got quiet in here. Okay. So moving forward, probably shouldn't have said that, but we're in Target. I have to be truthful with you. And my wife is, is walking out, and uh, we're at self-checkout. She's checking out, and a lady comes up to her and puts her hand on her back, the, the lady that works the self-checkout. And uh, she, she gets Chelsea's attention, and she turns around, and she goes, I just want to tell you that you are the nicest person that comes into this Target. Every time I see you, it makes my day. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's Chelsea going to say? She goes, do you want to know why? It's Jesus. Come on, moms. It's not hard. It's not complicated. It's not heavy. There's no heavy yoke. I don't want you to leave feeling this heavy burden and weight. I want you to leave feeling inspired, feeling encouraged, just skipping out of here in the presence of God saying, okay, God, if you want something to happen, listen, I remember when COVID hit and I walked into Walmart and people were wearing like full on like, like body armor and full shield face masks. And my friend and I thought it would be fun to dress up nice and walk into Walmart to buy brownie mix and ice cream. People are buying 50-pound bags of rice. And we walk in. I have a button-down shirt, right? And I'm wearing nice shoes. We walk in, and everybody's looking at us. We get up to the checkout. We put the stuff down. And the lady's like, you just want brownies and ice cream? Yep. Like, if the world's ending, we want to go out eating well. We're sharing with people. People are freaking out. You look different. You want to know what the greatest witness is? Somebody full of the Holy Spirit. You don't, need, you don't need to know what to say. You just need to have him on you, and God will move through you. Amen? Okay, number four. Number four. Yeah, we're going to move on to number four. There's some good notes, um, but we got to get through this. Number four is this. I'm not gifted. I'm not gifted. My response to that is, if you're a believer, you've been given the greatest gift of all time. This idea that I'm not gifted that way. Listen, none of us are. I'm not a great evangelist. The Holy Spirit is the greatest evangelist. The issue at times is, is this is how you know me. If my mama was here, she'd tell you this is not who I am. She will sit and listen to me preach and go, there's no way that my son can do that. Like, I know him. He was not good in school. He could not speak publicly. He was in, he, all the stuff. There's no way that in my power I can do this. I know that because I know where I come from, but you don't know where I come from. You think I'm gifted. I'm not gifted. I'm hungry. I'm driven after the presence of God. I'm convicted by the word of God. These are things that I am. 
I've been arrested by the scripture that says, go and make disciples. It drives me. It, I've embodied it. I sleep and I dream about seeing the world come to know Jesus. So there are certain aspects, but I'm not gifted. I have been gifted. And you have been gifted. The greatest gift of all, the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, verse 38, it says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, we know there's different categories of giftings, right? There's the giftings from the Father. There's the gifting from the Son, which is the fivefold ministry. But then there's the giftings of the Holy Spirit. The gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, right? Uh, that These gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, right? It's not like you have access to one. You have access to all because you have the ultimate gift, which is the Holy Spirit. This is the reality of these gifts. You don't have them until you need them. It's called faith. So oftentimes we sit here and we hope that God will come, so then we'll go out. But God's like, go out because I already came. He's like, I already came, I'm in you. And when you actively go, then the gifts of the Holy Spirit will be in operation. And I've seen it over and over again. That as I step out in faith, as those I'm with step out in faith, they move in the things of God. Number five is this. I just don't like pushing my beliefs on people. Has Disney Plus called you and asked you your opinion on them pushing their religion on you? Has Target in the month of whatever June, did they call you and personally like ask you if they could push their woke religion down your throat? Like, by the way, that's just, I don't need to say it. Pastor Les is your pastor. You already understand that. They didn't call you. And somehow us humbly going out with the word of God saying, can I pray for you? Can I tell you about eternal salvation in a calm, nice, fruit of the spirit way becomes some kind of bad thing? No, we've allowed the spirit of this world to push us in a corner to say that we have bad news when ultimately we have the best news. And until you're convinced that you have the best news, you won't share that news. I want to share something foundational with you. When it comes to preaching the gospel, it is not this. You need to repent of your sins so you can be saved from hell. That's not, I don't, like, or if you don't change, you're gonna go to hell. Ah, I don't love it. This is how it is, listen to this. The Bible says in John three that Jesus came, right? Not to judge the world, but to love the world. And it says, those that believe, right? are saved, but those who don't believe, they're already condemned. So the world, Waco, is in condemnation. So how do we preach the gospel? Hey, Waco, I have really good news for you. You're in condemnation. You're heading in the wrong direction. There's a way that seems right to a man and its end is death. You're walking towards hell. 
but I'm here to preach you out of condemnation and into life. I'm here to tell you that I was once lost, but Jesus found me, and he's gonna find you, and he's gonna save your soul. We don't preach people under condemnation, we preach people out of condemnation and in life, and there's a thing called conviction, and that's real. It's good news, and the world wants to tell you that it's bad news. I want to encourage you to strengthen yourself in the understanding of the gospel and understand that nothing else can save our nation but Jesus. If we do not have a Jesus people movement which changes the hearts of men, it's the only thing, right in Ezekiel 36, 26, that removes the stony heart and puts in a heart of flesh that's responsive to God. Go read the book of Romans and see all the times it talks about being born of the spirit and the grace of God. The only thing as important as legislation, as important as government officials, that will not change the heart of man. It'll hold back evil, but it will not transform it. The only thing that has the power to redeem a nation or a city is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am so convinced of it because that's what's changed my life. I went from a selfish sinner all about me and what I want to being consumed with God's love and being about others. That is the only thing that will change this nation. And I believe in all of it. I'm fully bought in to every aspect of what we do, but I am fully convinced that Jesus came to do what? To declare that the broken and the needy, those in prison, those hurt will be set free. Jesus came and said the kingdom of God is at hand. And that is what the original call is for the church, to be that witness to this city. The last one, and if the band wants to come, that would be wonderful. I had a feeling I'd only get through uh, the barriers, but I, I feel like it's all right. Um, we're not gonna be able to get through everything today, but um, it, it, uh, do they have these notes available? Yes, yeah, so you can go and, and check out these notes and and just do some more uh, research on your own. In uh, point number six is, I'm just too fearful. I just wanna remind you that God did not give you a spirit of fear. But power, come on, say it with me, church. Love and a sound mind or self-control. So when I sense fear, I get excited because I understand that something great's about to happen. What, what I want you to understand is, is that when I, when I sense the spirit of fear, I look at Mike and I go, buddy, something amazing's about to happen. See, for a moment, we need to understand that we as believers are on the offensive, right? So we, we live in this place often where it's like, I'm being attacked by the enemy. No, you're attacking the enemy. And when, yeah, there's still warfare that's taking place, but you're, you're, you're on the offensive. And when you begin to step out and begin to be a witness to the people around you, you're gonna hit barriers of fear. But what the enemy has done is he's convinced you that fear's in you. 
So you're gonna step out and talk to somebody and you look inwardly and you go, oh, I'm just so fearful. But actually when you look inside, you see the lion of the tribe of Judah. You see the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. When you look inside, you see the Holy Spirit. When you look inside, come on, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. But the enemy has taught us and conformed us to this place where we say, well, that's not my personality. That's not what I'm called to. I'm, I'm just too fearful. No, that's a lie. He's not giving you a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. And when I sense fear, I recognize it as an invitation to crush hell. I've renewed my mind to understand something great is on the other side of my fear. Not my fear, the fear that's trying to stop me from rescuing that person out of darkness and bringing them into the kingdom of his dear son. And many of you, if we're honest, the biggest barrier to sharing our faith is fear. All over the room, if you'll stand to your feet, I, if you're able, I just want to invite you to begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. All over the room, just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. We're going to come at this fear. Pray from your spirit. Pray from your spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this room. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Fear is not your portion. You're a world changer. You're a world changer. He's anointed you. He's called you. He's destined you. Just another 30 seconds, just pray, pray. Pray in the Holy Ghost a little bit louder if you can. Let's turn this room into an upper room. Yes, Waco, pray, pray. Waco shall be saved. Waco shall be saved. Waco shall be saved. Shall be saved. Pray, pray. Pray, saints. Pray in the Holy Spirit. 